Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper, and I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. This podcast features brave stories, emotional health, and creativity to inspire you to take your next brave step. Yeah, James Merrick, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh my gosh, Ella, you're incredible, and it is a gift. From Reading to you're all the way in New York, this is awesome. This is so fun. Modern technology. It's so yeah. good. So literally, yeah. Although it took us a while to get both of our technologies, we're giving yes. us a headache. Yes, we made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So we're here yeah. and that's yes. all that matters. That's all that matters. But I was just looking at your bio. You have a master's in organizational leadership, which I is do. really cool. And it, it, um, yeah, yeah. Was, was that like a hard grind for you? You know what? I did my master's in 2008 to 2010. So right after I finished my bachelor's in psychology at Azusa Pacific University, I um, was playing college football and had scholarship for playing football. And it kind of rolled over. I was like, well, I need to keep going to school. And so it was either that or uh, master's in theology and ethics. And I decided master's in leadership. And so it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, And something I love about higher education and something I love about, um, you know, just education in general is I I actually can't tell you much of the things I learned. Like, I can't tell you like the the book reports I wrote. I can't tell you the, um, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I can't even tell you who my classmates were. I can remember the professors or remember the core content, but um, what I love about higher education, what I love about education and learning is that uh, it's not about what you're learning, but how you're learning. And so yeah. it's teaching you how to learn and how to critically think and mm-hmm. how to kind of create a lifestyle where um, learning is at the core of who you are. And yeah. and it was an incredible leadership program. Uh, I'm very thankful for it. it. Really, looking back, it just set the foundation of where I am, what I'm doing, and who I am today. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's less about the tools and the and the and the stuff that I got, but it's yeah. more about who I became through that process. Oh, and then, totally. yeah, yeah, I can't believe yeah. that was almost 13, 15 years ago, which time is flying. I know. I know it's crazy to think that's how long ago we were in college. But guys, <laughs> go to college if you're thinking about it. It'll right. develop you. But yeah. I um, am excited to have you on because I love talking about leadership with people and you're such an expert at it. Um, and I've also, just so everyone knows, I've had uh, James come in and speak to my students at BCA about uh, race and diversity. And it always hits home on a deep mm. level. Like you bring so much nuance to that conversation. Um, and then we've always like bumped into coffee shops and like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like a quick five minute catch up. And yeah. and I'm like, I have to have James on my podcast. So oh, thank you. It's, it's an honor yeah. to be here and I appreciate oh, that. I'm so excited. And you just had another baby boy, right? Yes. yes. Uh, Lawrence, so Lawrence Jude Burke, we call him LJ. And oh, I love yeah, that. He is. It's so fun because having two kids um, yeah. is great. But immediately, you know, the differences between both of them. Like right really? out when he was born, it was like, oh, this is a different child. Wow. He is. Our firstborn is strong, passionate. Um, yeah. Communicates, is direct, is. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he is. He is. I'm I'm not using the word he's more emotional. I would say he's more emotionally attuned. Granted, yeah. this one other one's only eight weeks, but our right. second one is super chill, yeah. adaptable, go with the flow. And I'm like, it's crazy what you can find out about a person yeah. immediately. That's so cool. Yeah, I love fun. that. And your beautiful wife is Laurie. Yeah. And so was Lawrence named after her? No, yeah. Good, great question. Lawrence yeah. was actually her father's name. And oh, so, uh, and yeah. we just both felt, um, we both love the name Jude. So we're actually going to yeah. call him Jude okay, uh, yeah. by his middle name, but we'll call him LJ for short. I yes. just thought it would be, I'm a, I'm like I said, I played college football. I just thought yeah. like, if he's out on the field, LJ Burke, that's such a cool name. You know what I'm saying? Cool like, name. <laughs> uh, cool name. I know. I so it. LJ that's or awesome. Jude is what we'll call him. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, um, yeah, so I'm I'm excited to have you guys on. So you, 
and oh sorry you on yeah um but one day I, we'll do us we'll do both of i was us. thinking of laurie like how cool she is yeah um, she's but, way cooler than me We'll have to get her on. But the cool thing about you guys is you um, both started Leadership Framework. Mm -hmm. um, tell us quickly about that. And then we'll dive into the topic of like burnout, emotional regulation, and yeah. all of those things. So, yeah. yeah. Like, tell us. Yeah. Like you know, we've, um, we've been doing coaching, relationship coaching, um, kind of like team consulting. We've been doing like uh, personal development, leadership development, interpersonal development, communication yeah. development, all those things, um, probably the last decade while in between, while we're working in ministry, while we're in and out of, um, yeah, not working with nonprofits and different things like that. And so probably the last four, maybe five years, I was working at a church, uh, Bethel church up here in Reading, loved my position, loved what I was doing, loved who I was working with. But I knew a shit, like I felt like something was changing. Um, it's almost like when a storm is about to come in, like the winds, like yeah. everything gets really still. And then the storm doesn't come in for like another 30 minutes. So, uh, same thing with my soul or my end, like internally, I, I felt the shift coming. Mm. And um, so I just started exploring what, what am I passionate about? What, what, what would that thing look like? And I got prophetic words and I got uh, specific words of not what it would look like, but what was really on my heart. And I yeah. started exploring those thinking that in like 2019, 2020, that I would leave within that year and start my own thing. Yeah. But it actually took about a two to three year process of me kind of digging deep. And um, I'll just, I'll just share, I'll just share it plainly. If you don't mind, yeah. really, it was, uh, I got a prophetic word in 2019 that I was supposed to start a brand and I tried to do it mm -hmm. and I just couldn't do it. There was some emotional resistance within me that was yeah. not allowing me to break through whatever that was where yeah. in, in so much in our culture, we're always like, just start it, just do it. Like, like just do the thing that's on your mind and like, don't let anyone tell you what to do. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but I think it's more important to honor your season and to honor what's actually happening in the inside because yeah. we have plenty of people starting bad things that didn't need to be started. Right. That was just a quick tangent. But for, I so for me personally, I was feeling this resistance to start something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got a life coach. I, I went to a therapist and started realizing um, why is it hard for me? And here's what my resistance was. It was hard for me to conceptually leave ministry. Yes. Although everything's ministry, it was conceptually and mental. There was a mental block on leaving church ministry, paid church ministry specifically. And then to get personal quick, uh, I realized my dad was a minister. He's a trauma therapist, incredible man. And he was yeah. kind of the center of our community. So I grew up looking to him thinking when people's and people's highs and people's lows, they go to my dad. And yeah. to me, that is, is the place of significance. That is the place of wow. impact. And it's yeah. not about money. It's not about clout. It's about how can we be at service for people at all times. And so I ideologically built him up in my imagination as the highest form of living. And so yeah. I didn't think outside of ministry. Mm. Even when I worked for nonprofits, profits, businesses, church planning, all that other stuff we did. Um, mm. I realized there was a mental block for me and it was yeah. really personal. So once I started getting healing in that area with my therapist of, oh, you, ministry is who you are, not yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And who you are becoming is way more important than what you're doing. Yeah. And, I, and, and Ella, I, I'm saying this and I'm like, we preach this, we teach this, we talk about totally. it. But for, for me to go on that actual inner healing yes. journey... Is it just is different? It could cognitively yes. be in your imagination, but until it hits your soul, it it won't have an impact. Yeah. So it took me about two to three years to go on that journey, and also to um, I really wanted to end well with mm -hmm. with my the institution and the organization I was working with at Bethel, and um, really just waited for the timing. And then it was 2022 or 2021 on my birthday. Um, 
my friends really just gave me the words, the prophetic words that I felt like was the fuel to begin yeah. to dream again about mm-hmm. the thing that is on my heart. Yeah. And because I was dealing with different ideas of like starting a coffee shop, starting a communal space, even starting my own church or doing all, and none of them just stuck. And I just felt like on my heart, I was like, if we don't launch our consulting and coaching business, I will implode. And so it yeah. just came to that point of like, if I don't do this thing, I, I don't care how scary it is or how many unknowns there are, I might blow up on the inside. And so finally, I just started knocking on doors of um, looking at certifications, connecting with different uh, organizational health consultants, uh, other coaches. And literally every door I knocked on just felt like opened. And it didn't yeah. just open, but it felt like like opportunity and favor and and finances were just kind of flowing through. So I was like, oh, if I don't start this, now I'm just dumb. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Totally. It's almost like the river was just flowing. And so finally yeah. in 2022, uh, we even before we launched, one of my good friends is a VP at a Fortune 400 company. And, and he's like, I want you to lead my team in six leadership training workshops. Here's some, here's some backing. Here's some financial backing. Let's get this thing going. And wow. that was the seed money that launched us. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is it. This is the line in the sand. So in 2022 uh, or May, 2022, we launched the, we launched the leaders framework and mm-hmm. um, it's been a wild, wild ride. And it's, yeah. we're slowly building, uh, mm-hmm. but we do, we're in working again with that fortune 400 company and other companies focused on transforming leaders who build healthy teams that impact culture. That's our whole philosophy is that when we get to the heart of leaders, we want to see healthy teams. Like I'm a, like I said, I'm a sports guy, but Mm -hmm. teams are the organism of life. Meaning we want to see when groups are healthy, culture is healthy. And when culture is healthy, our world changes. Yes. So um, it's been a wild journey and we've, Mm -hmm. the people we've met, the trainings that we've done um, and what we're building towards has been really, really exciting. It's been a, yeah. and I told you before, whenever you start something, it's yeah. equally exciting and equally anxiety inducing. Yeah. And so having to have that regulation of, yeah, I'll be real honest in the, in the first couple months, that anxiety was like, boom, like would hit me yeah. in the face. And I, I didn't experience that, those high levels of anxiety ever. And yeah. so really having to go back to the tools, the principles and the things that I've learned and know like mindfulness and praying and yes. um, mm-hmm. those things have, has been really important. So the yeah. excitement and the anxiety are kind of equal. And yeah. I, I choose to lean into the curiosity and get healing and um, yeah, breakthrough through the anxiety at the same time. Yeah. So to sum it up, it's been a wild journey, really exciting. The people we get to work with, uh, I am feel very blessed and uh, excited to see what's continuing to come. Yeah, it's such a cool story. And I have never really heard someone share the startup of their story so articulately, especially involving like what mindsets you had to break free from from the lens of healing and working through the blockages. So I love that. Yeah. Um, and I also love that you're talking about like these prophetic words that give you vision. And because we're looking for like clues when we're taking yeah. risks, we're looking for clues. We're looking for ping signs. Like you have to actually look at where the evidence is and then even seeing the financial ease coming yeah. in. Yeah. But then you have to like, fully step up to the plate and own it. Like mm-hmm. it's so cool and such a cool testimony for people to hear because who are, who are looking to start something. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to, you mentioned the word emotional regulation and yeah. I'd love you to explain what it is. Cause I remember you posted something on your social media that this is the Im- most important thing yeah. that people need to learn is emotional yeah. regulation. So I'd love yeah. you to share what it is. Yeah. Oh man. Let's just get out. I love it. We're just jump, jumping right in. Jumping yeah. Emotional right regu- in. Yeah. Emotional regulation is um, just even to pause or to, to, you know, in my master's program 10, 15 years ago, we weren't talking about this stuff. Yeah. Like 
we didn't know we we had good leadership tools principles like but i think kind of the new frontier of leadership is delving into the confines of the human being and seeing uh what seeing the why behind everything we do Mm -hmm. like we're, we're every human has up to 86 billion mirroring neurons, meaning our brains are firing and reading the environment and processing information and looking at the podcast and seeing the lights on. It just is like our brains are these, we are incredibly social beings and we intake so much information. And then we kind of like disseminate it to one executive functioning order in our brain and say, this is what this means. And I'm like, that's, it's crazy how our brains, our bodies, our souls, our spirits, all of it work together. Um, emotional regulation to me is, is the ability to become aware, process, and grow through the emotional experience uh, at any moment. Um, emotional regulation is, is the ability to regulate or the ability to um, bring down or bring up your energy inside to um to continually healthily interact with your environment and with others and so emotional regulation um i posted that post of how do you practice emotional regulation and it was a cute little like 60 second clip but let me just tell you emotional regulation is a lifestyle it is not a It is not a, uh, a a clip on TikTok or Instagram, which is right. really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but emotional regulation is the ability to become aware. Like I think the first step in emotional regulation is: can you be aware of what's happening on the inside and how it's either impacting the outside or how you are being impacted from the outside in? Yeah. It's that it's that cognitive awareness of. Poof, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling tense. Wow, mm-hmm. I felt great before, but now I walked into this room and my chest feels tight mm-hmm. or my stomach feels tight. E- even I was, um, Lori and I were hanging out with a group of people the other day and we've hung out with them several times and they're great people. Um, but I, I just told her, I was like, hey, every time I'm around them, my stomach feels really tight. And she was like, interesting. What do you think that is? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I, as I started processing, I realized, oh, I'm picking up on some anxiety that they're dealing with. And yeah. my body is literally, we're now getting into like even more like somatic, psychosomatic yes. areas of, <laughs> of not therapy, but of understanding who we are. But my body was just literally tense. And I'm like, oh, I'm experiencing some anxiety. How do I regulate so that I don't take it out on? you, Lori, in this moment. Yes. So emotional regulation is the ability to get back to who you are by understanding what's happening on the inside. I love that because I think that a lot of the time we live in a very big blame culture. Whose fault is it? It's either someone else's fault or it's my fault. Yeah. And we over... um, and I know for me, because I struggle with anxiety as well, or I'll over um, internalize someone's feelings about me, or yeah. I'll pick up on someone else's shame or yeah. rejection, and it activates me to do something like from my own fight, flight, fawn, freeze response, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I'd love to hear how we can use emotional regulation to take more ownership move away from blaming like yeah. yeah tell me about how you've experienced that yeah um you know you said i'm going to speak to two things um yeah you know we in in fawning fought, fight fight fawn freeze fawning is that form of people pleasing to yes. keep you safe within the tribe yeah and so i i actually deal with more clients who are in the realm of people pleasing who yes. grew up as a people pleaser versus I would say 80% of people I work with are that the other people are, you know, the fight or flight mm-hmm. or freeze. And, and that's just a general number. More people will placate to meet the needs of whatever's happening versus do the other reactions. And like I said, that's not a study. That's just my anecdotal uh, yes. observation. 
And for the people pleasers out there, I always ask them, uh, my clients ask them this question. I say, how long have you felt responsible for other people's emotions? Wow. Like how long, how long have you been in control of making other people happy? Yeah. How long have you been in control of taking other people's pain, fear, anxiety, and trying to make them feel good? And what you are doing, and this comes from a, a, a book, I forgot the title of it, uh, 12 Steps to Anger Management. It's a, a mindfulness to anger management. And yeah. the author talks about how uh, people-pleasing or fawning is a form of anger suppression where you are taking other people's pains mm-hmm. and you are internalizing it saying, you don't need to feel pain. Let me help you. But what you are doing is you are putting it within yourself and storing it and it will pop out in other places without you even becoming aware. You just described my biggest challenge. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a too, recovering girl. people pleaser. So. Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah. And especially yeah, yeah. as, I mean, we, as coaches and as, you know, uh-huh. in ministry or in life and business, like we were, we were born to do this. Yes. This, this is our totally. desk. This is our, our DNA is to help people is to love people. It's to inspire totally. people. But mm-hmm. there's also the side where we take on more than we probably should. And so that's, yeah. that's a life journey of not only getting healing, but awareness from that. So yeah, to answer your question is I ask myself, Am I trying to take away unnecessary pain right now? Mm-hmm. Am, am I am I trying to take on responsibility because I feel discomfort or pain yes. or anxiety in a room with other people? And then yeah. I just simply my one of the first things I do with emotional regulation, I say, I take a deep breath and I say, This isn't my responsibility. That's good. And mm-hmm. and it and it just reframes and it takes the pressure off of me and it reframes my mindset from it takes away that savior complex or that yes. idea that I have to help everything. It's just like, no, actually I just get to let this be and I'm okay. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one of the things I do if, if it's a people pleasing thing, that's which good. really just comes down to the first step in emotional regulation is, is awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I am feeling X. I am noticing Y. I am, uh, something has shifted in me. Yeah. So it sounds simple, but, that yeah. that is really difficult for some. I think, especially for, um, I think more people who are highly extroverted have a harder yeah. time doing that. Intro- yeah. Introverted uh, people who are introverts um, may have an easier time because it's they're much more internally focused and grounded, where extroverts mm-hmm. are externally focused and grounded. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, for yeah. me, it's that conscious awareness of like, okay. Something has changed. What's mm-hmm. going on? And it's just a quick conversation in in my head of, huh? But what do I need to do? And then it's the next step is when you become aware of that, you um, almost observe it. And this is mindfulness, kind of like mindfulness yes. one hundred and one. Um, you observe it and you, mm-hmm. huh? You investigate it. Like, hey, let me not be ruled by this emotion. Let me investigate it. Let me feel it. And yeah. sometimes it's an emotion that you need to let go through you. Mm. One, of, one of my favorite quotes in, um, in a book called uh, Burnout, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about burnout in a bit. Yeah. It says that emotions are like tunnels. We yeah. have to go through it to experience it. Because if we get stuck, we'll stay in the darkness. Yes. They say, feel the emotion and let it pass through you because you will ultimately get to the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. That's so important. It's so challenging, but important. And it's all emotions too. Yeah. So for me, where anger has been a harder emotion because of me just wanting to make myself and other people happy, it's like, oh, actually, I need to create space for me to feel this right now. Yeah. So emotional regulation is, you know what? I need to take a break. I'm pretty pissed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me go take a break. Let me feel the emotion. Let it pass through me. Mm-hmm. And then the third step is so that I can let it go and reframe. Okay. Anger actually isn't the enemy. And you know what? I need to communicate to this person where they hurt me, or yeah. I need to um, become aware of, of, of how I hurt other people. Man, that was painful that I hurt that person. Okay. I need to feel that not avoid it, let it pass through me 
And then when I say let it go, it's not like a avoidance. It is a thank you for you're thanking the emotion for what it's done. Yeah. And now it's it's time to let it pass through you so that yeah. you can continue to grow, learn, and reframe. Yeah. And I've heard, well, it takes 19 seconds to actually fully feel through a whole emotion. So, and usually the emotion turns into another emotion. Yes. Usually like enlightenment comes and wisdom comes. Cause like you said, you like, oh, how can I take action? That's why like even in anxiety, you can feel it, but then you're like, how can I mobilize this anxiety? So it's not, I'm anxiety and I have an identity of anxiety rather than like, actually I can do something about this. Right. So yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I love that. And I love that you're talking about awareness and I've actually not really talked about this much on my podcast. Um, and that is the topic of the ego and, um, God God bless it. Yeah. So because the, the ego, I, um, especially gathering awareness. Like I think even why therapy and life coaching is so important because sometimes the reasons why we're sabotaging or failing or things aren't working out is because the ego is driving the car. Yeah. So I'd love you to explain what the, what is the ego and, (laughs) and any stories you have connected to the ego. Yeah. Is this a 24 hour podcast? Because that's about how much time we'll need to talk about this. And, um, totally. Yeah, and and it's the the phrase ego is is common now in in speech and rhetoric. It's like oh, uh, and if it, and if it's not, hopefully it's becoming more common. Um, you know the the ego. I've I've you know my background is psychology and then math in organizational leadership, and so I've read uh, pretty influential thinkers on this. You know, it started with Carl Jung and kind of mm-hmm. Jungian psychology. Um, and it really describes, uh, it describes the protected self that we put on in order to survive in our world. Yeah. We all have, uh, as children, we are fragile beings. I just read a study yesterday that not a study, but it was from a neuroscientist saying that, um, because humans develop, like our brains are so big and how we develop really up until the age of three, your kid is still a baby. Yeah. Like if you look at other animals, like you look at a deer and it, it gives birth to a doe and then boom, it, it's walking and running and doing the things. And a couple of weeks later, it's an adult. It's like, whoa, that's crazy. Not exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. humans take a long time to develop and we are very fragile in our early years. And our brain power and our emotional power is so potent that we create things in order to fit in, to survive, to be in community. We have to learn how to get along with others. We have to learn to get along with ourselves. Who are we? Like, what's yeah. my personality? So all these things are coming at us at an early age. And so we, we, as children kind of build what I call scaffoldings or images of who we think we should be or who we are in order to survive. And it's, and it's not that nihilistic. It's not just a survival mechanism. It is a beautiful thing. Like for instance, um, I, I loved being the lovable one as a child. I got love being the lovable one. Meaning Mm -hmm. if I was happy or if I made tell jokes, or if I would dance, if I would entertain or perform, that was a way I could survive and stay loved and give love. And so I learned at a young age, hey, if you want to survive, you perform and you perform well. You make people happy. You you light rooms up. And there is, like we said before, there is a part of that that is a God-given DNA. There's a part of that that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. But then there's a part of that that that's where I call it it's like the scaffolding or the projected self, which is there to protect, to survive. Uh, yeah. Because you don't think you're going to get your needs met another way. And as a kid and as a young adult, it's actually really healthy. So the ego um, is and is not the enemy. So the ego is that projected I love version. That. That's good. yeah. Yeah. The, is is the projected version of ourselves that protects us in order to to survive. Yeah. And so um, we all have different ways of engaging with our world, whether it's performance, 
uh, whether it's creating security, um, you know, whether it's shame or shame avoidance, um, whether it's um, uh, uh, avoiding pain. And I think I just mentioned that whatever it is, we all have these things. And so the ego kind of fuels into that. So if you imagine like, uh, here's the best way I can describe it in picture form. If you have concentric circles, you have kind of what I call is your true self or your core self is at the yeah. middle of the circle and the ego or what Henry Nowen and Richard Rohr talk about is the false self mm-hmm. and the false self or the ego is the projected version of yourself that you needed to use to survive. But yeah. as you get older and as you become more mature, you realize that the ego may not always serve the purposes that you desire. Yeah. Meaning when you used to have to walk into a room to perform or when you used to have to yell at people to get them to do what you needed them to do, or when you, um, you know, whatever is that vice or that scaffolding that protected you as you become an adult, emotionally, as you grow, the ego may no longer serve you. Mm-hmm. And so the ego which once protected you used to be a gift. Now it can be a hindrance as you grow mature in your adult life. And as you become aware of what's happening and the ego, isn't something you conquer. The ego is something that you, um, you live with, you, you, you manage, you become aware of, you see what, what, what is, what is, Hey, am I doing this for my ego or am I doing this for my true self? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't really tell, but let me just test it and see what happens. Like, and how do I feel after? Oh, I feel a bit y- yucky. Oh, mm-hmm. I think I did that just so they would like me. Yeah. Okay, I learned from that. I know that I'm loved no matter who I am. Therefore, next time I'm in a situation like that, maybe I don't need to do do that. Do what I just yeah. did. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I love that you're saying this because sometimes we like throw out the ego as like all bad. Yeah. And it's just very human. <laughs> like So human. And it's trying to keep you safe, especially in social contexts. It's yeah. like when people wouldn't feel the need to prove like, oh, I worked with this person or I did this. Like there's sort of that bragging thing. Yeah. And that's like them trying to wire in belonging. Yeah. But even like you said, like in where our ego doesn't serve us is when in the in the realm of true belonging true connection because we want to be loved for our true self not our false self right because then we have to perform all the time in connection right yeah 100 and and um i've done um enneagram training in enneagram training we talk a lot about the ego and even in the enneagram this is a, a tangent but um your number isn't meant to be your full, like oftentimes like, Oh, I'm a seven on an eight. So let's say I'm an eight. I just challenge people. It's what I do. And you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of mean to people because it's just who I am. That, that is a, a low level of understanding the Enneagram and emotional health and saying, Oh, actually that is your ego. That is how you survived. Now that you are aware of that, how can you move through that to become the best version of yourself? Yes. Yeah. And and that really is the goal. It's and yeah, I mean, we we all have to sometimes present ourselves and sometimes we have to show show up and sometimes we have to we have to perform, we have to entertain, we have to do a good job at work. Those aren't right. all bad things. Those are all outward things. Not everything outward is egoic. Yeah. What we're saying is when it becomes the source of who you are, yeah, that's when the ego is your enemy. Yeah. When, when your success, when your fame, when your clout, uh, when your personality, when, when whatever that thing you're giving that ideological fuel tool to becomes the source of who you are, that's when burnout, that's when disconnection, yeah. disassociation, that's yeah. when broken relationships with yourself and with others happen. That's when uh, even physical and emotional health health starts to digress. That's what we're talking about is when you put more faith in the projection of who you are Mm -hmm. versus actually just being loved for who you are on the inside or who you think you are, sorry, the projection of who you think you are versus who you are actually on the inside and that being enough. Um, Henry Nouwen is quoted for saying this, that um, the axis of the Christian faith is to know you are the beloved. Meaning that 
no matter what you are loved and that is enough. And that to me is the source that kind of diffuses and defeats the ego over time. And it, and it kind of, you become acquainted with it, um, but it no longer controls you and defines who you are. Yeah. And it, I love that you say that because it's kind of like we have like these ego shells or ego onion layers that we're pulling back and we're discovering especially when we're risk-taking or or doing something new. I know like I'm doing an acting class right now and boy, I'm like, wow, this is the most vulnerable. Like to be an actor, you have to let go of your ego. And it's like a wrestle, like, because it's such a protective thing. That's why it's like a process because you needed to figure out how to be safe growing up. So, of course, your ego protected you in a lot of ways. It protected you from bullying. It made you feel like you could belong. And then it sort of gets to a stage in your life where you're like ready to mature and there becomes more awareness around it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, even even for me, and this was uh, after working in the church for over a decade, when I wasn't a pastor, showing up to a church service and not sitting in the front row. Yes. Like it sounds petty. It sounds yes. silly. But I, for weeks, I had, to, I had to be like, where where do I belong? Yeah. Like if I'm not leading the room, uh-huh. who am I? But I'll, I'll tell you this. I showed up. I became aware of it. And I was like, oh, that feels a little bit like ego. All right, homeboy, let's deal with this. Now it's like, I love going back to church. I yes. love receiving. Like I love, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like, Oh, like it's, is I was so hell bent on this is the only way I can do this one thing, but that was just my ego trying to protect myself. And it's like, Oh, actually I love this thing. I love receiving and I love pouring out without it being a title. Yeah. I love, I love that you just gave that example because I hear most Christians, they'll be like, Nope, shouldn't feel that smack it down. Yeah. Like, and it's like, but it will pop up again somewhere else. Totally. Like, and, and so many, oh, but like, you should already know, like you're a grown man who's done totally. counseling and you shouldn't even have an ego. Like yeah. there's so much perfectionism inside Christianity. It's trash. Like, Let's just call it what it is. It's it trash, is and it, trash and it causes more dysfunction. Like yes. <laughs> I, I'm almost, <laughs> I don't even have an appetite for it. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually heard it. I was with um, Bill Johnson the other night and he gave me this quote. I asked him some advice for something. And he said, because um, what we're talking about is the ego often creates narratives and thoughts about yes. who we should be. Yes. And um, that's where the transformed mind needs to come and take place. And so wow. I was asking him about, hey, how, like Bill loves talking about the transformed mind. I'm like, hey, but how, like when my reality is painted with, this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm not thinking clearly and I'm not even aware that I'm thinking clearly. He, he said this phrase, he said, um, you know, a lot of people try to resist thoughts. A lot of people try to resist the urges. He said, but the goal isn't resistance. It's transformed thoughts. So in order to transform it, you have to find, like you have to sit with it. And he kind of just gave this masterclass of theology and presence and, and like transformation, I was like, oh my gosh. And it just reminds me of what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you can try to resist it. Eventually yeah. it will wear you down. If yes. you don't embrace that resistance that then leads to transformation, then you will never get healing and you will stay stuck the rest of your life. Yeah. And be super inauthentic. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> no one wants to be your friend. So yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, And so, and yeah, and I think this is kind of, like connected to loneliness as well. Like you will actually, if you always have to be the ego self, like, can you fully be known? But yeah. um, so I love, this is like a segue into talking about burnout because yeah. I know I've gone through burnout. So I know that it would probably have been, it was like people pleasing and, um, and my ego, they were like best friends and they were yeah. running the show. Like, yeah. So it was a beautiful cocktail that drove me into burnout. So yeah. I'd love to hear like your thoughts on burnout and yeah. what gets people there and how to get out of it. 
Yeah, that's a and and all I love because everything we're talking about is connected. Yes. Yeah. Ego, emotional regulation, burnout. They're not separate topics. They're all about the human soul. Yes. They're all about um, us being integrated and fully alive human beings and thriving. And when we're not thriving, like uh, this burnout, emotional dysregulation, uh, these are what happens because of those things. And so burnout, burnout is too common in our society. Yeah. Um, burnout is a, I think it's a epidemic. I really do. I think we have a overworked, overstimulated, over information generation. And I'm not yeah. talking about millennials or, or Gen Z I'm talking about all y'all, everybody. Mm. We are, we are tired and we're, we name, we may not be working more, um, but the demands, the mental demands, the mental load, the emotional demands, I think are at an all-time high. And there's several, several contributing factors that are happening to that. Um, you know, uh, just to speak to a couple of them, it's like uh, political instability. Um, I, it's it's uh, information overload. Mm-hmm. Internet, we've never had access to this much information at one point at any given time. Um, we are constantly fed narratives and truths and different viewpoints from so many different people, which is beautiful in one sense, but it's really overwhelming in another sense. You know, anthropologists really say that kind of humans for hundreds of thousands of years grew up in tribes of no more than 150. And so now that we have access to millions of people and seeing comparing and seeing what other people are doing, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? It, It literally causes this slow leak of air out of our brains. And whether we're aware of it or not, we get burnt out by doing many different things. And I would say a lot of it as well as we work in an overworked society, like we overwork ourselves, we grind, grind uh, for grinding sake. And Mm -hmm. it's all about your hustle. It's all about uh, sounding busy sounds good. Like, how are you doing? Oh, busy, man. I'm doing busy, busy. Yeah. I've actually, I've actually tried to change my language with that and say, oh, same. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will say life is full right now. Yeah. That's and, so but, good. Oh, yeah. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm like, why is that? Why is that a good thing? So burnout is, is the, I would say it's the consistent psychological, um, wearing down of a person's psychological, mental, physical wearing down of a person's being that over time they become disconnected with themselves. Yes. And so burnout is, is a, it's not scary in a sense that like, oh my gosh, but it's, it's painful. I've been in, I experienced low forms of burnout. Um, when I was trying to plan a church in LA and, uh, I wanted to be successful and I wanted to do this and that. And, after two years of doing that, I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I can't keep living like this. And that's actually what led me up to Reading in, in 2015, after my wife and I got married, I just knew I was like, something has to change yeah. internally. Something's got to change. And so, um, yeah, so I've, I, I've been studying and kind of do workshops on burnout too, and how to create a healthy work-life balance. And, um, yeah, bur- burnout is an epidemic, but I believe there are solutions that actually can, we can incorporate that go against the culture and go against that grain, uh, that the society mm-hmm. wants to take us out in. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I have so much compassion for people in burnout because I was in a huge burnout because like, oh, like a year ago, this time a year ago, I was recovering from burnout and there's even shame because oh, I'm a life coach. I should know better. (laughs) Like, um, there's, you know, I'm a leader. I should know, or I talk about this stuff. Like, why don't you get it? (laughs) Like so much shame around it. And I realized like, actually I am going to intentionally build into my calendar recovery seasons, Yes, like recovery months where I'm not trying to change the world or trying to be anything but Ella, if that makes it, well, I want to be Ella all the time, but yeah. like, so, um, can you speak to like 
because I know some of it is like burnout comes from like feeling powerless, feeling stuck, uh, like you don't have a choice, like you have yeah. to pay the bills, so you have to do those yeah. things or yeah. fear. Yeah. Can you speak to like some of the like the way out of burnout? I guess yeah. you have to really rumble with those yeah. things. So yeah, I'd love you to speak to that. Yeah. Um for I think the first thing is pay attention to your body. Yes. Like, um yeah. don't like you said, the shame of the cultural narrative or of other people or whether it's spoken or unspoken. Uh, pay attention to your body. That's I think that's we we are now learning from neuroscience of how interconnected our bodies are with our minds and with our with every part of us, and that we have like I think two hundred plus neurons in our stomach that is wow. perceiving the environment. It just is like little things like that that we are we're not just it's not just our mind. It's our whole body. So pay attention to your body. How's your body feeling? It's, yeah. Do you feel tense in certain places? Um, you know, I did brain spotting with my trauma therapist. She's a certified trauma therapist and brain spotting is just a, a quick, like it's an X, Y axis. And you look at a certain spot in the room and it, the way you look at it, you allow your body to process emotion and pain or whatever. It's the craziest experience. I highly recommend it. If you yeah. know a healthy or a good therapist out there, um, so pay attention, paying attention to your body is really, really important. Do you, do you feel like you're in f- fight or flight often? Are you short with people? Are you short with yourself? Are you, um, constantly edgy? Are you mm-hmm. apathetic? Do the thing, are the things that used to bring you life now draining you? And it, yes. do, do the little things feel like, do the, yeah, do the molehills feel like mountains? Then then you may be on, you may start smelling smoke. I would say uh, you may not see the fire, but you may start smelling smoke. One of the best books I read and um, Chris Cruz and I got to work together last, um, last summer when I kind of was doing some different pastoral roles. And he gave me this book called At Your Best by Carrie Newhoff. It's one of the best books I recommend on burnout. And I've used some of his principles and incorporated in my workshops. But he he has this quote. And because we always think, once I get my vacation, I'll be fine. Once I go, you know, once I go to the Caribbean, like everything will be okay. And I'll, I'll be back. I'll be refreshed. All I need is that vacation. All I need is the time off. But he has this quote and he says, time off won't heal you when the problem is how you're spending your time on. So. Okay. Yes. If if burnout is happening in your work life, we got to figure out how to change the rhythms of your life currently rather than escaping and spending money and doing vacations. I love vacations. I just got back from a trip to North Carolina and I, I'm, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So vacations are my life, but I am not naive to think those are going to heal me. In fact, we're most of the time more tired from our vacations. Right. <laughs> Regardless. With kids. Yeah. So seriously. Yeah. Regardless, the he has three main points and that, that I believe are, are principles and leadership principles that are really key. Uh, the first one is um, focus your time. How are you focusing your time? Um, so often we allow other people to dictate what we should be doing versus doing the deep work that we feel called to do that has a high impact on our souls and others around us. So focusing your time. And if you ever study uh, Covey's four quadrants of time management, that's a great tool. Oh, cool. Most people stop there and, and be like, yeah, it's a time management thing. Just manage your time. You should be okay. No, right. that's one principle. The next principle, which I believe is the game changer is how are you managing your energy? Energy management is the substance or is the... Um, is the greatest way to be in line with maintaining a healthy lifestyle and a healthy soul. Energy is actually what engages with every our energy engages with everything around us. So if we think, if we look at our calendar and we have like four meetings, we may think nothing of it. But if they're really intense, or if it, you're doing something that you're not wired to do and it, it it's like an admin meeting and it hurts your brain. Your energy is going to be depleted, although even though you only worked four hours that day, energy doesn't give a crap about what your schedule says. 
energy comes and goes based off of how we are wired and how we are managing our internal world. Mm-hmm. So what, what he has a concept of, he calls it the green zone. And the green zone is creating time and space every day to do what you feel called to do, where you have your highest impact. And uh, what uh, there's one more kind of ikagi type of a moment that, that he has in there. And it's basically like an alignment of, hey, focus on the things that bring you energy and manage the things that don't. And, and if you're at a job, let's say you work at McDonald's, you can, you can do this in no matter what job you work at, you can actually calendar and create time that focus your energy and that actually bring you life. And this is why this hits with me so well, because like I said, college football, I also ran college track and college track was all about energy management, your workouts, energy management. When, when did we have recovery day? When are you taking ice baths? What type of is today an all out day or is today a medium day? Is it a low day? Okay, we're we're going we're going all out today, and then the next two days we're going to recover. You know what? We're going to have five days of hard sprints, but we're going to have five days of rest. And not exactly, but it's this. There's a rhythm with high profile athletes. They get these rhythms that we're still now starting to uh, apply to the workplace. You can't just be a nine to five and do everything the same throughout the whole day. Even if you look at our um, human biology, it's called chronobiology. Our energy wanes and wants throughout the day. It, most people find a peak somewhere in the early morning or late afternoon, and then it troughs down like around 1 p.m., and then it kind of goes back up. That's why we call it the post-lunch uh, post nap. It's a real thing. So managing, thing. Your, yeah. managing your energy is essential. And then the last step is focusing your priorities, what matters in your life. So if you look at your priorities and see, oh my gosh, I'm getting burnt out because I'm doing the things, I'm prioritizing the things that I hate. Why why am I doing that? Like, and granted, if you're in a job that is killing you, maybe you need to get out. Or you need to start applying some different tools of focusing your time, managing your energy, and realizing your priorities so that you can be aligned and start thriving. Yeah, that's so, so good. Yeah, those those three things have been game changing for me and how I help myself, how I help clients. And do I do it perfectly? No, not at all. Right. But it's an experiment, isn't it? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, because you're learning yourself. And I even noticed, like, when I came back from Australia because I was there for four months, um, and it was like the best rest I've ever had. Awesome. And and but I you came back. It. Yeah, thanks. But I came back with a perspective that was like, what are the invisible rules in my in the culture that I work at? that no one's actually saying to me, but I feel like I have to do it because that's the way it's done or that's the way someone models it and actually take my power back and go, well, how do I want to do my job? And how can I change the schedule around as much as I can because we're working in teams and stuff, but how can I actually, like you said, change my week so it doesn't feel like Cause I can have a meeting and that might trigger me and I'm not going to be my best, yeah. like most admin focused self, you know? So, right. so I think I love that you're sharing that. Cause that really does shift to make you feel more empowered, like in a practical yeah. way. Cause some people can't just jump to quitting their job, right? but they can make those small changes. So I love that you share that. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, I'm actually going to steal that from you. That's brilliant. What are the? That's really good, Ella. What are the invisible yeah. rules that no one's talking about that exist currently? Yes. I, I, and I always say that the the culture we always try to have high values. This is what our culture is. Right. But then you have the subculture that actually drives the ship, and no one talks about. Yes. And both beautiful and sometimes not. And yeah. so, identifying those can be really, really essential for you thriving in any environment. Yeah, that's so good. And feel free to steal that. Yeah, I I will. I'll give you credit though. No, I'll steal some of your stuff. I'll give you Yeah, that's what we do. We just steal each other's stuff. So (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Good. (laughs) No, that's awesome. I love that. And 
just in closing, like the podcast is called Your Next Brave Thing. It's really to kind of kickstart people into taking little brave action steps. And like, what does bravery looks like for you? Like, you know, you mentioned like starting something, but what does courage look like for Mm. you? Yeah. Great question. And uh, we were just talking about how time off doesn't heal, but then yes. I'm just realizing I just was in North Carolina and my the time off did heal. So yeah. <laughs> I'm happily to contradict myself. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, this, this last week, I, uh, my wife and I, we did a wedding for former interns and um, they were interns and we've been counseling and coaching them. And uh, now they're friends and it's really beautiful. One of the coolest relationships and friendships we have. And um, being around them, being around other people, we were, it was like a wedding week and mm. there was something that in my soul shifted. And, um, I've been ministering, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. Um, and it started with, cause I've been thinking about, I meet with an executive coach cause I believe in getting coaching while you're coaching. And yes, he asked, he asked me this question. He said, what's the one thing that you do in abundance and in lack, because that is, that is where everything is focused. And that is what you bring. And it was just this like deep question of what do I carry in abundance and in lack? And then it just was this, like this next brave thing for me. And my birthday was just the other day was while I was, when I was with, um, his name is Sam. While I was with Sam and his buddies, I felt alive in a sense of, I, was able to freely love without yeah. any barriers, without any expectations. Mm-hmm. And that sounds cliche, but I wrote about this on Instagram, but something in my soul was relit of, I have a responsibility, duty, destiny, whatever you want to call it, divine right. It just is like, I am meant to help people discover who they are yeah. And or return back to who they are. I love and and it was just this, it was this energy and this. I got to sit down and speak life into some guys. I got to help encourage Sam. I got to, he got to porn. It was just this like experience where I was like, oh, I could do this the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've always known that. It's not new, right. but it, but then again, it is. So now the the next brave thing is when I'm working with Fortune 400 leaders or where I'm working with people in, in government, when I'm working with uh, uh, moms or dads or directors or CEOs, how, how do I have that same fire, that same drive to speak unashamedly life into who they are and do whatever it takes to help them discover themselves or return home back to themselves? And not without overextending my, myself, not without yes. going over my boundaries, not without, not with all the other stuff, but it's like with the time given, almost this fire to speak truth into who people are. Yeah. And to me, that's the next brave thing. Mm-hmm. Is, I love that. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's a bit, it's, it's, it's newer, so it's a bit vulnerable, mm-hmm. but it just feels like I've been searching for this for a long time. And it's like, oh, I got the thing. Now let's freaking run with this. Yeah, because it is, I understand why you would think that that would be vulnerable to call out the gold in these big influential people because I know like in our community, we do it a lot with our people, you know, but in the corporate world, there is like such a, like almost like it's, it hits people like, cause it's so pure, but also they're used to flattery. They're used yeah, to, right. um, that, but I love, I, and because sometimes they can be like, people can't receive compliments or so, and especially grown men, like receiving like who they are and coming into that is kind of a vulnerable thing. So I love that you're going to actually bring what you're made to do, which is your secret source, which makes you different into that sphere. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Thanks. And it, and it also is like, it's also the, the, uh, I'm a seven. So it's the challenging side as well, where I used to be like, how do I just keep this as nice as possible? Uh, it's like, no, you're freaking settling right now. 
Yes. Why, why would you settle for mediocrity of yeah. connection with your wife? Why would you settle for mediocrity, mediocrity for, for getting the best out of your team? Like, no, 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 no. Like there's more, you actually have more that this yeah. world needs. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it feels like this, this, um, urgency may not be the right word, but it feels like this urgency for yeah. <laughs> hitting, hitting people in the face with who they're meant to be. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, so. it's pulling people. It's the best way to actually transform someone to challenge them in that yeah. way. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm so Good grateful questions. that you came on today. Yeah, it's, Ella. Thank you, you know, so much. You're such great. a gift. And just to even uh-huh. say, um, it's been an honor and a joy, you know, crossing paths and you inviting me. Every, whenever I've spoke at BCA, I've, something in me comes alive. And, and that just shows the environment that you've created. And, um, yeah, you just have such an ability to create spaces for people to be authentic. And as you're pursuing authenticity, that's just going to pay dividends in everything else you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that. That's so kind. Um, yeah, yeah. well, thank you so much for uh, coming on and I'm excited. We'll have to grab coffee when I get back to Reddit. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening today. Please download, share with your friends and write a review. If you would like to book in a life coaching session with me, go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com or follow me on Instagram at Next Brave Thing Podcast.